It's Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JM and Before uh, I uh, introduce our weekly update, first one of this season, uh, post-Labor Day, of course, uh, even though we're on worldwide around the year. Uh, I do want to mention on behalf of uh, Stacy and myself and the entire Siegel family uh, that not only was it wonderful to have the home lines at our big simcha two Wednesday nights ago, but uh, Malcolm actually participated in the actual ceremony. And for us, after all these decades of uh, our two families um, being together in so many different venues, not just on Friday morning in this forum, it was really extra special. So I mentioned that and I thank him as we uh, get set to do this weekly update. Both families coming off highs of amazing smachot uh, with the home line um, a grandchild wedding and our child wedding taking place during the same week. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us Friday mornings for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Uh, it's a pleasure to be back with you and to always share smachot. So, I'm glad you didn't give me a speaking role. So that was, <laughs> <laughs> but to be on the chuppah and to witness it was such a beautiful simcha, and with some unique uh, aspects, especially seeing your son's amazing voice and um, singing to the cows. Well, it's really moving. Appreciate that very, very much. And uh, now, of course, the question: since you're an expert, how different is it being at your grandchild's wedding compared to your child's wedding? Well, you're less responsible, for one thing. Right. Second, there is a, a special bond between third generations and first generation that uh, is different with children. Obviously, you feel pride and joy in the simcha with your children's, but when you see your grandchildren, you see the continuity and you see fulfillment. Um, and it's the ultimate nakama against the Nazis and all the anti-Semites today who, do, who want to deny us the future. When you see that your children, in this case Mayor Stein and uh, Sima Khan, going in the right way and, and uh, uh, knowing that your parents and your grandparents who died in the Shoah, that they are shepping nachas now and know that, uh, that they were in part responsible. And that's what Hirsch tells us, that it's, our grandparents influence us as much as we influence our grandchildren and that the... Um, uh, continuity that's represented, and there's also a special bond between grandparents and grandchildren because they have a common enemy. <laughs> Which uh, you will not delineate, I guess. <laughs> you don't want to be quoted exactly yeah, on that one. Show, it's not true, but, I it's, know. Uh, but it's a good know, joke. But it's a good line. It's a good line. Very good line. I, um, I, I, and and for us, by the way. It was a tremendous revelation for our guests. There were hundreds of people shocked that you and I have anything to do with each other outside of Friday morning. <laughs> so that was that was yeah. really nice that right. people people found out that we actually have uh, you know a little bit of a relationship outside of these conversations. Yeah, so. it's good for them to find out <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> Friday morning, Erev Shabbos weekly update. We're going to get to the latest, uh, the resignation that everyone's talking about, etc. But I want to start with this. Is Donald Trump, the president of the United States, going to meet with the president of Iran this month? Uh, first of all, I don't think that the president of Iran is necessarily going to come. It could be Zarif, and there are reports that Secretary Pompeo may have met him in Iraq, that there are other places. There are a lot of reports circulating, and it's, um, I mean, is it possible? Absolutely. We saw what he did 
in North Korea. We've seen what he's done elsewhere. That uh, um, I don't know whether it's always uh, as well thought out as it should be in terms of the implications, because for the people in Iran, it's it's being portrayed, you know, that America is weakening, that um, and, and the idea amongst the Iranian leadership is that we just have to wait Trump out, that any Democrat coming in or whoever will replace him will be easier to negotiate with. We'll go back to the JCPOA. We see the French now talking about a $15 billion bailout for the Iranians uh, and the United States saying we're not going to let it happen. So while uh, I think that he has been clear-headed and and strong on the Iran issue and pulled us out of the JCPOA, has been putting on sanctions which are very effective, I think I mentioned that the they, the Iranians dropped four zeros from their currency, right. um, which is it. immense. But the but more importantly is that we see that they are not diminishing their activities, neither Hezbollah, not with, with Hamas, not with supporting terrorism, etc. But their financial situation is in trouble. The United States said there will be they're not going to give waivers to, to allow a fifteen billion dollar uh, program, and and the Europeans keep promising and they can't deliver. They haven't delivered on that. They're not going to deliver on the alternative to the SWIFT. So the, the United States is the key player here. And Zarif, uh, you know, who is um, a chameleon-like figure, the foreign minister, um, and they can dismiss it and say, well, it's just Zarif doing it. Uh, Rouhani is obviously uh, key, but it's, it's Khamenei who's the decision maker. And he, Rouhani announced just yesterday that is the third, they're taking the third step to reduce their commitment to the JCPOA. They, in fact, said that they have no restrictions anymore on their nuclear program, that they get an order to continue to develop new uh, centrifuges, new uh, support systems, etc. So the, um, uh, you know, they're sending, the Iranians are sending these measures. They detained seven trawlers in the Straits of Hormuz. They released the seven British crew of the ship that they took, but they didn't release the ship. And so they're taking provocative actions all the time. They they're, supposedly they're building a new base, the first time from scratch in in Iraq, which is a huge uh, decision to make because it's the Al Quds forces uh, uh, that are doing it. And Israel revealed the new missile plant that is under Hezbollah, but they don't do it without Iran in in uh, Lebanon, which is preparing more um, with precision guidance systems. So the the um, and that's a separate question which we should discuss about what's happening in Israel's north. But yeah, the question will. of what happens directly with Iran, the um, United States sanctioned their space program this week because they said they're developing ballistic missiles um, instead of the civilian space program that they said that they were engaged in, just as they um, you know sanctioned Zarif and they they sanctioned this shipping network which is selling oil, 26 people and entities were, were sanctioned this week, um, which is tied to the, the, they're tied to the IRGS Al-Quds forces, and they've been selling half a billion dollars in oil in the past year. So this is um, uh, an attempt to, to crack down on that, and the United States offered a $15 million reward for people who give information on this, which is pretty generous, and I wish I had it. Uh, maybe I'll listen to this again and see if I said anything that would be a hint to getting it. The um, nice but, one. but it, it, they're escalating at the same time. So 
in terms I of wouldn't a, read too much into it. In terms of a potential meeting, is it fair to say that, you know, essentially most people in North I'm talking about, you know, the regular citizens. Most people in North Korea uh, don't mind when the president of the United States meets with their leader, but when it comes to Iran, you know, there's a large group that you've described to us over the years that is, you know, is is desperately seeking help from the U.S. and the West in general to topple their government, or at least, you know, uh, to sanction them to whatever degree possible. Would it be a terribly, uh, a, a terrible symbolic gesture for them, for the citizens of Iran, if Trump would go ahead and, and hold that meeting? Well, to, to a degree, perception, first of all, is very important, especially in, in the Iran situation, where facts are less important than how people perceive the facts. So when you get rumors of talks which may not have taken place, and and Iranians may be putting out these false reports in order to undermine the opposition, but also to to create the impression and put more pressure, let's say, on the Europeans, whom they press all the time, to to get them to live up to their commitment and threatening them about. They don't threaten the United States about the JCPOA. They threaten the Europeans who are consistent, who are still in it and have been consistently supportive of it. Um, and the, the so the the people in Iran, um, it's not a uniform uh, reaction, but the dissidents we speak to were expressing concern about right. if the United States is rushing into talks. Is it is it symbolic? Is it just to give cover to show the United States went the extra mile to to even have talks or to talk to them at the same time? If they weren't administering all these sanctions, and that's why I'm, I listed them. Then you could say, well, it, it's a sign of weakness. In fact, right. they are continuing every day. Treasury, state, others announcing these these uh, new tough sanctions. Uh, but but it, I, and I know that the Iran the Iranian government, as, as you just pointed out, likes to start these rumors about talks and the benefit that they have when they do so. But in this case, I think there were U.S. officials that were talking about it, right? Wasn't it the Secretary of Defense or somebody from the Pentagon who said there's a strong potential for a, a meeting between the U.S. president and the president of Iran? There have been a number of people who have uh, said it, uh, it doesn't mean that they actually know. And I, and I don't know whether there will be talks or not. It's, it's something, you know, we'll, we'll wait for the morning tweets and see right. if uh, there's any change in policy. But I, I don't think that there's a fundamental shift in terms of the policy. Uh, you know, there've been, there's been a lot of speculation. Is Bolton less important, more important? Is it a weakening of the hard line? Is it a strengthening of the line? Does it before the election? He would like to get a deal. Um, uh, with Iran, but any deal would have to mean a, a new JCPOA, a new commitment to it. The Europeans are saying, well, we're, that they are conditioning the aid on fulfillment and a full commitment to the uh, to the JCPOA, which they can do, like they did last time, and then they violate it. And we know, and we discover more and more how much they violate it. We see how much they continue to support terrorism uh, globally, and especially against Israel and threatening Israel's existence. And uh, we hear it from Hamas leaders, Hezbollah leaders, others, um, that thanking Iran and thanking for this equipment and support and everything else that they that they uh, get, and, um, and the expansion of their activities, including in Syria, including in, in Iraq. So this is, this is not a party that is indicating, in fact, its readiness to, to change. Because it's inherent, that's how they keep control. It's the human rights violations internally, and it's the external support and the threat to destroy Israel, which doesn't diminish at all. All right, now here's what um, here's how I understood what happened up north last weekend. Here's what I understood. Uh, what I understood was that uh, the enemy Hezbollah 
uh, showered rockets on Israel, a specific area, and that Israel made sure to um, uh, to create a situation where it seemed that some of their soldiers were injured, that they were in fact rushed to the hospital, all supposedly based on the news analysis in a ruse to allow Hezbollah to think that they were quote-unquote successful in their mission to kill Israelis. Uh, and then, of course, this was all revealed. Whether it was supposed to be revealed or not, I don't know. I'll give you my opinion on that in a minute. Uh, am I anywhere close with, with this co- very confusing situation, frankly? Am I anywhere close to accurate in terms of what happened? Well, certainly, uh, I think you've got a great imagination and we can make a great movie out of it. But, <laughs> but I do think you're right. I think that that is essentially what happened. I wouldn't say showered with missiles. There were a few, and Israel showered them with artillery and, and the targeted um, uh, response. But the uh, it's clear that neither side wanted the escalation and, and an all-out war. Hezbollah can't afford it. The financially, they can't afford it. They're having some trouble with recruitment. You know, they've been in this fight for so long, and the Shiite birth rate is going down, and the um, you know, they're bringing in foreign fighters, but they have... Then why go the, through with the charade they, if you know the enemy doesn't go, want to engage? Well, because they have to put on a show for the, for the people there, and, the, uh, and they did it in a very limited way. It's true that it, it, one of these things could trigger uh, a, an escalated response, a bigger response than... Um, uh, right now, it's very controlled, and both sides controlled the response. Israel did stage that, uh, as you described it, um, a mock uh, result, and even a helicoptered somebody out, supposedly, or had a helicopter bring out a dummy. Um, so that, the, And then they threw the, the Hezbollah completely off guard with it uh, when it turned out not to, be, uh, not to be true. The fact is, though, that they shot some missiles that they've been, I've been describing for several, many weeks, the escalation there when they were setting fires and doing things in the tunnels, of course. Uh, so it, the Hezbollah is preparing and is building infrastructure with Iran, with others, along the Golan, near the Golan, and along this, the Lebanese border. Lebanese people don't want a war. And, you know, the Hariri, the president, came here and tried to talk to U.S. officials. We've seen other statements. Aoun, the president of uh, of Lebanon, a Christian, by the way, uh, made very strong anti-Israel statements in the last 12 hours, uh, threatening them with uh, holding them responsible if anything happens. So right now, I think everybody wants to let it cool down. But the it, you know this it, Hezbollah buys time uh, for more activities, but there I think that there are more limitations on them than sometimes you realize. I still don't get it. I mean, if in, if in fact the enemy doesn't want to engage, I don't know why there has to be this charade. But uh, and and I know that they're much better military experts than I. Well, they am. were responding to Israel taking down the two drone operations. Right. So why on earth does Israel have to make believe that there are casualties on the Israeli side? No, that was that was uh, shtick because then they knew that Iran that the Hezbollah would then crow about it and. It would be satisfied with the fact that they could claim that they don't want it, but if they a military but, thing, and then they expose them as failing. But if they understand that the enemy does not want to engage with them and go to a full-scale war, then th- that's their advantage right there. There's no need to to play this game. Or no, they could have continued. I mean, it, it, uh, the Hezbollah has 150,000 rockets. They can continue this 
and and you know send more and more mortars and rockets. And why didn't they? And why and why didn't they once the whole charade was exposed? Why didn't they send? Why yeah. Didn't why, didn't, why didn't why didn't they retire? Because they 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 stopped because they thought that they had succeeded. Right. But then why victory. not why not start again when you're when you're you know mocked. because Israel responded in a really tough way. They hit him hard. And then they stop, but they but they can go to their people. You know, they say always that they save face. Look, if you're asking me to rationalize everything Hezbollah does, right. we'll be here for 24 hours <laughs> and not have any conclusion. Do you do but, you do you uh, share my reservation that Israelis? And I know that obviously, I assume this whole thing was supposed to remain a secret. I'm assuming, and it, and it got leaked, you know, unintentionally. I'm assuming, but but don't you agree that if we always complain that the enemy makes up stories and does things and says things that they really don't do or say that that it, it, it's 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 frustrating when when we uh, when when our side behaves in the same manner or that doesn't bother you no it doesn't bother me i think it was a very clever ruse it embarrassed the hezbollah which went you know public crowing about something that didn't happen and uh, i mean i think they were quite, certainly more than embarrassed by uh by the outcome. Yeah, but now whenever Israel says that they're casualties, yeah, but each each response is unique. You know that, and there's always other things up their sleeves. Israel, thank God, has um, shown itself to be very adept, not always perfect in their responses, but this was a, a, a clever move, and and at least now the people in Lebanon will not believe Hezbollah's claims. Right. Yeah, I hear that. And you undermine the confidence in, in them and what they have to say, and. Um, you know the the and the shifts inside Lebanon are very significant. Do you feel bad for the president of Lebanon because he claims that? No, the, I do not feel bad. The, even though he claims, all. even though he claims he has zero control over Hezbollah. Okay, so the president was uh, General Aoun, who used to be head of the, the Christian militia, was a big ally of Israel, and flipped completely. Has gone to the extreme, extreme support of Hezbollah. And uh, I have met with I met with him in the early days during the war. I used to meet him in Marjayoun and other places in Lebanon, and I have uh, no sympathy for him whatsoever. I do have sympathy for people in Lebanon, um, and if you're talking about the Prime Minister Hariri, um, he is in a, a difficult position. But you know what? They got to take responsibility now. The distinction between Lebanon and Hezbollah that Israel was restricted in its responses because Hezbollah was not part of the government. Now they are the government, and, and you cannot create an artificial separation. So when if Israel has to retaliate, the government of Lebanon is to be held accountable, so is every, as is Hezbollah today. And the U.S. killed the U.N. resolution about what happened up north because it didn't include what? Uh, they didn't like the wording. I didn't get the specific um, objection. They didn't. Re- they didn't. You know release what? I, it. They if didn't I rem- release the information on what the specific. And they may not even have mentioned Hezbollah in it. I have. A, I think I read that that they may not even have mentioned the word Hezbollah in it uh, when they uh, when they took right. It to I the think it, it, um, it was another. Th- there was another part that that the United States objected to, but they did it quietly. And it was right. it was just revealed afterwards after the fact that the United States again stepped in so people know the day-to-day things that the administration does yeah that's true you know that uh, are very important yeah it wouldn't be a bad idea to communicate with the white house and let them know that and, and we saw at the un that all of a sudden palestinians had a had a try to deal with all the new evidence of anti-semitism and incitement about their textbooks that the report 
of right. the UN Committee on the Elimination of Racial Discrimination came up and showed that the the um, the PA as books are more vile and worse than before. And uh, and across the board, essentially every kid is being taught incitement against Israel, no matter what grade, no matter what age. Right, and they were warned to to stop the hate speech and incitement, and they all you know, and they they put on a show. This time it's a very unique development to the United Nations that the Palestinians get exposed and for the hate that they're inculcating into their people, let alone the pay to slay and all the other things that they are doing. And, and back to the other thing, you know, Rouhani has said that he has no intention to hold bilateral talks w- with the U.S., uh, and he said that he, the only time he ever would do anything is if, if the JCPOA is back and the the sanctions uh, have to be removed as a precondition to talk. So that's why they can have a lower level talk or something. But I don't know that you should think it's going to be real bilateral negotiations. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world. The web at com on the Nahum Siegel Network and of course on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. And you can imagine in the last 24 hours, uh, what has everyone asked me to ask you about? What do you make of the resignation of Jason Greenblatt? Well, first, I think we should express Hakar Satov and appreciation to Jason, who made a personal sacrifice, he and his family, financially, otherwise, time, being away a lot from his family, um, especially Shabbat is, is uh, difficult, um, and he spent two and a half years in, in this uh, effort. Um, I think that he, he never planned to be there that long, and, and he is staying until the uh, deal is, is revealed. Uh, he's certainly worked hard and built relationships, and I think he helped at, at the times in the terms of strengthening the U.S.-Israel relationship, uh, the fact that the PA welcomed his uh, leaving and that the uh, Hamas, you know, celebrated the fact that he would leave, and don't and the PA doesn't talk to him, uh, I think is uh, is is a badge of honor <laughs> in, in this case. What an accomplishment! Uh, but but he, uh, um, you know, they they got pulled off the Manama conference, the, you know, the economic conference. They have gotten the Arab states behind uh, this effort, and we'll see what the plan will be itself. And what and I think people who are reading into this that the plan is a failure, it doesn't want to be associated with. It. I don't think that's true. Well, the timing, the timing's unusual. Yeah, but the, but people leave administrations at all times. And he's a guy who has children. He has tuition to pay. Has uh, you know significant responsibilities. Uh, you know, to take off two and a half years from uh, out of your life is a very significant commitment to public service and to trying to to promote some sort of a uh, peace agreement. So I, I think people should not, you know, interpret it, read it for what what he said, as uh, see it for as, as he presented it, and we'll see now what what happens. You know, the people are saying, well, the appointment of um, Avi Berkowitz and other things are. You know, saying we're downgrading the position and up, uh, lowering the uh, position, but Brian Hook has also been associated with the new. You know that he will take more responsibility. Right. But once the plan the plan is out, so maybe it'll shift to a different uh, type of diplomacy um, with ambassadors, others playing a role, and you have the rest of the team still intact. So earlier in the week, if someone asked you for a timetable, you likely would have said the peace uh, 
uh, proposal would have come out, you know, sometime reasonably after the election, maybe after the Chagim, who knows. Uh, now, would it still be the same timetable? Yeah. We should expect it about November time? I would say late October, November, right. Uh, and speaking of election, you know that today is the 6th of September. We're 11 days away. Yes. I hear that there's <laughs> an election coming. We're 11 days away, a lot of deals being made, uh, a lot of public statements being made, a visit to uh, uh, to Russia coming up for the prime minister yesterday in uh, in uh, with uh, Brian Johnson in Great with Boris Johnson in Great Britain and canceled his trip to India. How do you explain his pre-election the travel schedule? Well, I, uh, the Johnson visit was surprising and coming you know in the midst, midst of his Brexit crisis. Uh, but what it does show is that Netanyahu has the standing of an international figure that he. Um, has, has the connections, which the other candidates uh, obviously don't, and that. Uh, and I've asked many of the experts, and asking, does this make a difference? And they say yes, it makes a difference because wow. for Israel, the, the issue of isolation is very important. And when you have a leader who has credibility, has ties to Putin, and you know they they have these big flags on the on the Likud building, one side showing Netanyahu with Modi, one side with. Um, the, uh, with Putin, and there's another one I saw in Jerusalem with Putin, one side Putin, one side Trump, that uh, they're saying that he, he is a statesman, and he's, so it's a political advantage for him, and having uh, a visit with Putin, for instance, could help offset some of the Russian vote that goes to Lieberman or, or the Ukraine uh, visit. So there are political motivations. I don't know if it's exclusive. There may have been some immediate issue regarding the talks with Iran or whatever that that also were involved. Um, but it is the, the election is very tight. The last poll shows still 32-32 between him and Blue and White, and the remarkable uh, silence from uh, Mr. Um, General Gans uh, during yeah. this campaign. Something his own people have commented on the. <laughs> and the uh, campaign really is BB versus BB at this point. Uh, we've seen the right coalesce and uh, others uh, the same and others dropping out. So it'll be very interesting to see the turnout, who turns out, the numbers that turn out. That's really going to be uh, critical. How I many young people, others. So, you know, the last election, I think 50% or so came out this time. Uh, so it was a little higher. But uh, the, will the Arab vote come out? Now they have the joint list. Uh, so there are a lot of uh, question marks that don't say that this is just an identical replay, although the results could be very close. President Rivlin, in a very strong statement yesterday, said he's not going to allow a third election, which means he could turn to another Likud leader. If Bibi can't form a coalition, then he could turn to others. And obviously he doesn't want Lieberman in the coalition. Um, and he right now has at least 10 seats, according to the polls, and uh, uh, Shaked has 10 seats, so the the jockeying will be very intense. As you say that, I remember from the last election, they actually, they actually someone actually discussed that as a strategy, uh, that Lieberman would do anything to position himself where a different member of Likud would end up making the deal with him. I don't remember exactly how that worked. Yeah, but he, he well, that's exactly, they're talking about Sarah or, or, right. or Dunn or somebody else would come in because... Um, Blue and White, uh, Gantz, who, who might split the party with Lapid, and there's certainly internal divisions within Blue and White that have been discussed. Um, he might leave 
with his half, his part of, of uh, Blue and White, and join a government led by Likud, but not by Netanyahu. I don't see that right now happening. I think Netanyahu's hold and, and you know, the strength that he has is likely, to, and, and the numbers could be there for a 61-vote coalition of the right with uh, Likud. And in terms of pre-election atmosphere, the only real difference between this time around and last time is Gantz's, uh, uh, you know, less aggressive approach, let's put it that way. Oh, I think that there there's a higher level of disinterest and that the intensity of the campaign is going to step up. I saw some of Netanyahu's new commercials uh, very early this morning, and uh, I don't know whether they matter, but obviously the Internet has become a platform for um, negotiate for for people with candidacies and running and them uh, establishing themselves. Um, I, I have there. I don't think there are any debates scheduled, so people will will vote along party line. And now the question that's why the question of turnout and motivating people to turn out and how they will vote will be very significant. It, and the question of the indictments, all these things are are playing also in the background. If um, if the trips to Great Britain and Moscow are to his benefit back home, and I love the way you uh, you analyze that, uh, is canceling the trip to India also a benefit, or that's irrelevant uh, in terms of the, the election? No, everybody knows the relationship with Modi is very tight. The, a trip to India is not easily undertaken. You know, it's a long trip, and it, and it's a big country, and to visit or to make it a meaningful visit... Um, I think he felt that it was it's probably too much at this time. Uh, and Modi has made very supportive statements. So I don't know that it plays the same way that uh, a Putin with the big constituency, the Indian Jewish constituency in Israel is limited. There are Jews from India and the B'nai Menashe and others who have come to Israel. But, the, but it's the overall image that he's trying to create, that he is a statesman, that he is the one who has... Um, the context is always say, you know, just BB can, um, and and that he has to play his assets now. Yeah, get that. Uh, all right, two quick things: the um, the the news that's now seeping out of Israel that there's a possibility of a unilateral strike versus Iran without the United States cooperation is that a timely announcement? Meaning, if if not for an election, we probably wouldn't see this news item. Well, you know that Iran this week f- fired their Air Force chief because, well, actually it was they announced it, but he had been already fired before um, because uh, he concealed the violations of Iranian airspace by the Israeli Air Force F-35 stealth fighter jets and that, wow. the, that uh, the Russian S-300 system didn't detect it, the Iranian air defense system didn't detect it. Now now Khamenei, it's reported, suspects that the Russians gave the Israelis the secret code to the S-300 radar system in Iran. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but it's an interesting, make for, this will all make for a great movie. Um, but the very fact that Israelis knocked on his door, sent him a very strong message to Khamenei and to the others that they could they can reach Iran, uh, I think was a, a very telling uh, thing. So um, Israel is 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 not likely to go it alone in a war with with Iran, but they will not tolerate the uh, escalation of the capacity, the intensifying of the uh, level of sophistication of the weapons, including missiles. I mean these things, and that's why they struck in Iraq and why they have to strike in in Syria and not allow this precision uh, factory 
for missiles, precision missiles, and they gave them a warning. And they're going to see if this place is not emptied and not dismantled, then Israel will take the action. But they gave the Lebanese government and the Lebanese chance to, to take the actions themselves, which they can easily monitor by satellite and other means. Wow. By the way, since you've mentioned uh, you know good movies uh, twice already in this conversation, I believe it's today that the uh, that the television series The Spy about Ellie Cohen, starring Sasha Baron Cohen, comes out on Netflix. I believe it's today, and there've been a, there've been some really uh, how do I put this mediocre. <laughs> there've been some really mediocre series and uh, and uh, and movies. Uh, about Israeli themes recently coming out on these platforms. Hopefully, this will be a good. It's gotten some pretty good reviews. So many there have been many, including the one about the boys, about which was supposed to be about the kidnapping of the Israeli boys, but it turned out to be about the Palestinians. And there are many, many people who are critical of it. I did not see it, but there are people critical. But we should say that you know, again, the kind of stories that never get coverage. That this week the FDA approved a drug that was produced in Israel by Dr. Sharon Shacham that. Um, showed a 40% um, of leukemia patients saw their tumors shrink and, shrink and that life expectancy increased three to five times, and it's being tested for myeloma and lymphoma and sarcoma, uterine and brain cancer for all sorts of things, that it, it stops you know, the proliferation of cancerous cells, which could be a, a, a lifeline for so many, so many people. You know, that's not a story that the uh, New York Times will highlight or other papers will... will yeah. Even though it'll, uh, it'll even though it'll save a significant percentage of humanity, but I guess it's not... Very significant. Mm-hmm. And, and these things, you know, these discoveries that are taking place and that the improvements for quality of life, et cetera, that, uh, you know, it's, it's so amazing. You think this little tiny country is... Yeah. Producing all of it. Oh, I gotta, I gotta ask you this before we wrap up. A uh, United States federal judge has ruled the terror watch list unconstitutional. Will this have any real uh, ramifications? Yes, it, it has ramifications because it limits the ability of. Whenever you limit law enforcement, then you are uh, harming the effort. And when the judge overruled the uh, Lobby Foundation case, where the building that was to be taken from Fifth Avenue to pay terror victims of Iran, um, all of these things, they are setbacks, and they encourage the other side to think that they can get away with it, and we have to do much more. I think the uh, NYPD and others are, are stepping up the efforts, and the creation of this task force on hate crimes is important uh, to coordinate all the efforts, but we need to see more in the educational system. The fact that the numbers continue to increase of, of hate crimes against Jews, and that the tension between uh, international terrorism and domestic is now almost even, according to the FBI uh, report. So we have to keep our eyes on both uh, aspects of the fight against domestic and international terrorism and the fomenting of hate anti-Semitism and its consequences as well. Malcolm, I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll speak, please God, next week. God willing. Malcolm Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here on JM in the AM.